Welcome to the Arone Sports Podcast. Listen in as professional handicappers Frank and Rob break down this week's wagers on a game-by-game basis. It's immoral to let a sucker keep his money. Is there a lot of money to be made in that line of business? Nothing is impossible. You can shear a sheep many times, but skin him only once. Obsession is a young man's game. This is exactly my point. Take it easy, take it easy. Simple, my paper, not easy. What's all that about? You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. What I think I meant to say was just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I'm here to give you a show what it's missing. You guys are crazy. You ready? Ready. Set? Set. One, two, three, go! Welcome back to the Arone Sports Podcast. Your host, Frank Arone, here as always. It is Halloween, October 31st, 2018. And uh, just uh, got the candy loaded up here, ready for some trick-or-treaters to come through. And uh, hopefully it's not quite as spooky of a week as it was for me last week. But uh, not only is it Halloween tonight, uh, I believe Old Cropper is also coming back to Minnesota. So let's uh, head out to Vegas for his... uh, Last day there, and check in with them. How you doing out there, Crabber? Yeah, Frank, you're right. I'm uh, heading back there, um, back to Minnesota. Leaving there tonight, coming back in Minnesota late, and yeah, hopefully don't get disrupted by the podcast with some doorbells coming in there. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're not starting off this early, but um, yeah. So you had uh, had a good time out there. Do uh, I mentioned the golf tournament last week? You want to uh, let everybody know how that went? Yeah, uh, yes. I don't know. If Nothing, nothing too crazy by any stretch. Uh, from being out here for the week, it's pretty much just working. But yeah, the golf tournament pretty fun. Practice around Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, we had uh, five matches: three on Friday, two on Saturday, nine hole matches. Played in your flight, and uh, didn't do too bad. Ended up winning our flight, taking first. One, uh, we bet on ourselves at uh, what do you call it, the Calcutta on Thursday night, and then uh, yeah, so we ended up winning there. Made a little bit of cash, a little bit of dough. So I was kind of like that, and then. Um, we uh, went to the shootout, and a little bit of a longer story, but ended up, uh, basically I had a pretty good drive on 17 with about seven teams left, and hit, it, uh, hit my drive about 340, 345, left uh, my partner about 10 yards off the green, and he had about one of the worst shots I've ever seen in golf history, <laughs> and uh, chunked slash almost missed the ball uh, into the bunker right to his like straight right, and ended up making a, a six, and uh, got him bumped out, bumped out of the shootout, but yeah, it was a, it was a good time, and I, I didn't really expect much that we'd even come close to being competition uh, for the for the flight itself. So that was good. We had to win in that, and then the shootout was kind of just a fun deal, and could have made a little bit of money, but ended up getting bumped out of there. So yeah, good time. That's cool. Yeah, it, uh, pretty mellow weekend for me. I went to a couple whatever Halloween parties, and then came back and a couple had the Jeez, <laughs> yeah had making the around. whole uh, set up ready to go here, and I was looking forward to a good Sunday and. Uh, well, as I alluded to earlier, we'll get into this a little bit with the weekend recap here, but it wasn't wasn't best Sunday for me. And uh, it's been a crazy couple of years here. You know, you had a bunch of underdogs coming through. You had the Cubs winning the championship finally, the World Series. And then you had Trump as a huge underdog winning the presidency. And, uh, you know, whatever, Virginia went down in the NCAA tournament as a one seed for the first time in tournament history. And now you got Rob taking back the T-Box in the uh, pick of the week segment here. So... It's been been a lot of uh, a lot of the streaks that uh, came to an end here, so it's a crazy time nowadays. But Woo! anyway, <laughs> speaking of that, I don't know if you saw any pictures, but that's uh, who I went went as for uh, Halloween. There, got the 
the Ric Flair wig, the championship belt, the uh, the Nature Boy robe. I was all uh, looking good, ready to go. <laughs> I must have missed it. I'm surprised uh, they weren't flashing all over the news. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, let's get into a little Week 8 recap here, huh? The Weekend Recap. So with that uh, extra cash from the golf tournament, you go crazy and make some uh, big bets last weekend, or what? How's your weekend? Yeah, put the whole roll in the Vikings, so uh, needless to say, it's uh, don't have any money left. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, didn't do much with it. Just uh, you know, stick to the principles, stick to my my system, stick to what uh, what I like. And yeah, my week uh, wasn't too bad. I went four and two on the releases, uh, release plays, and a few fortunate w- uh, winners there. I think uh, um, that yeah, Green Bay game. I guess we'll start with that one. I mean. I mean, I guess, like we said last week, I mean, I guess you can call that fortunate, but I know I was sitting there the whole time, and I was, before the play even happened, because after that turnover, after Green Bay brought it out of the end zone with uh, Ty Montgomery, I'm saying how stupid that was, because they not only missed the two-point, uh, or t- sorry, the two-minute warning, <laughs> they ran the clock down to like a minute 56, so they missed the two-minute warning, and then also, obviously, worse field position, and just a minute, and then clearly the, the fumble was in play, too, with the, with the return, so just a terrible decision there. I don't know if it was the coaching staff or it was him, but... I think that's still kind of uh, you know a little arbitrary. We're not really sure about uh, that. Uh, coaching staff blames him, and then him, he kind of blames uh, other reasons. So that's a big play in the game, obviously. But I was kind of thinking how how could that one go wrong? And that was about something that was up there. But um, yeah, just a good good coaching decision on the other side of the Rams part for Gurley to stop there, and not go and get a touchdown. I know some people complain that they should have got the over because of that, and they should have got the the Rams to cover. But I mean. <laughs> You watched the whole game the way play the way it played out, and it was just uh, you know dead nuts under, and the Green Bay was the right side the whole game. So I mean, been pretty pretty awful loss there uh, if you would have had Green Bay and they would have scored uh, win the end zone there. But so that was a I got, but not, you know, nonetheless still pretty fortunate to get that in cash with a plus eight. Um, and then I had a few other plays as well, and yeah, uh, I had Philadelphia early, which is good, and uh, I kind of like that play all week, and then also my pick of the week, Carolina, which was uh, another another release play plus three, and that was pretty much a never in doubt winner. So. Uh, and a few other losers, but yeah, a pretty good weekend all in all. How about yours? Mine was beyond brutal. Um, just a lot of, basically was on the wrong side of pretty much every game that came down to the wire. Yeah, you're on so that, that Cincy fun. side, weren't you? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I started on uh, Thursday night with that Miami points there. That was looking good for a half, and then it was pretty rough there in the second half, so, you know, I was, but it was pretty much a wrong side. Uh, I still don't think he was super impressive, but the the real bad Brock came to play, so <laughs> I wish I would have paid attention too closely to the game the week before, or else I would have still had that you know, preconceived notion in my mind that you just never bet on Osweiler. But uh, so that came back to bite me. Then yeah, since he, I, like I said, I had um, all the games on here in the morning, and then I basically quit looking at that game when they were up twenty-one or twenty-four or whatever they were up. I just assumed that was pretty much a winner, laying three and a half. I waited and bet it right at post. But uh, yeah, but clearly it wasn't. Winston did everything he could, but then Fitzpatrick came in, and there was some Fitz magic to sneak out that cover. You know. Speaking of, uh... yeah, I got tag teamed by those two. That's for sure. So that <laughs> sure was, did. That was pretty rough. Um, then yeah, the Detroit got a good number on that, but. That was pretty much a never-in-doubt wrong-side loser. And uh, the Jets were hanging around the entire game and then gave up a touchdown late for them to not cover. And the one, one winner I had was the over in the Indy-Oakland game that I think got there like midway through the third quarter. Yeah, that's what we both liked that one. It's like, was there ever a doubt in that? Like, that game was just, like, even that game started, and I was, 
already slightly profitable going into those uh, the late games. I'm sitting here like, how does this game lose? <laughs> I just, I didn't, yeah, you know, you know, absolutely. And then of course the Vikes on Sunday night, uh, it's just kind of a strange game. And I think you could make a real case that they at least played equal to, if not outplayed New Orleans and just shot themselves in the foot every chance they could right from that Thielen fumble going into half there. They just kind of swung all the momentum back towards New Orleans. And then they came out and second half and just made mistake after mistake. So in a game where they lost, you know, they ended up only losing by 10, but they the last touchdown was totally garbage. So the fact that they were basically lost the game by 17 points and you could make a case they outplayed them is uh, just kind of illustrates the fact of how many mistakes they made and how many times they shot themselves in the foot just repeatedly. So that was frustrating. So overall, well, yeah, you look a pretty at the, horrendous week. You look at that fumble from Thielen when they're going in right before halftime there, and then you know, and then, then they end up fumbling and going to seven the other way. So, I mean, that's like a 14-point swing. And then that pick six, which I've heard some people like, uh, I know Gil, who's a Washington fan on, on VSIN, and he's talking about how, you know, well, ha- you know, good luck having Kirk Cousins and the interceptions that he throws and all that stuff. And it's like, <laughs> that, 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 was, that wasn't on Kirk at all. Uh, Kirk at all, it was definitely uh, on, on Diggs, the receiver. And, and you could see on the sideline there that, he kind of knew that, and they were kind of had a little talk, and you could see by the way they were reacting that Diggs it was on Diggs, and you know basically apologizing to to Kirk there. And uh, but and I, there's definitely some times to be critical of Kirk, but I think that's definitely not one of the times, uh, and that was the interception he threw, and which obviously was costly, but more so just a miscommunication. And uh, if anything's on the receiver, not on their quarterback there. So I think those two plays alone are obviously the huge swings of uh, what ended up winning for the the Saints. Yeah, and that's you know Diggs came out and said you know that's totally on me and. It might be partially just because he's trying to, you know, whatever deflect blame away from the quarterback, and that's just kind of what you know a stand-up person does. He does not put the blame on anybody else, but at the same time, um, I think there's definitely you can't definitely it's not majority of that's not on Kirk, and you know it's a handful of people on Twitter were saying, oh, you know, good quarterbacks don't even don't even throw that ball to even give it a chance to be picked off. It was like, well, I've, I was watching Monday night with uh, Brady. And he threw a couple passes that were little screen plays that the linebackers for Buffalo just straight dropped the interceptions. So it's like, yeah, they don't they don't put them in terrible spots that often. But to say that any quarterback throws a completely clean game where you're not going to have some balls potentially be intercepted is just absolutely preposterous. So it wasn't I thought the the most egregious one was one that actually didn't end up uh, being a turnover, but was that rollout that Kirk had to the the left side of the field when he kind of got sacked and then fumbled, but then it turned out his knee was down. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he was doing there. I thought that was by far the worst play ahead of the whole game. Yeah, exactly. I just thought that was inexcusable. But anyway, not to dwell on that uh, anymore. That was just frustrating, not only from a monetary perspective, but a, a fan perspective as well. So, um, all right. Well, I've, we were going over it, and it looks like there's only one instance where the number came into play. But do you want to go ahead and do the getting the best of the number segment? Getting the best of the number. Yeah, so like you said, only one game here came into play last week. Uh, just go through it quickly. Denver, Kansas City, that total opened 55.5, and, and that closed. Uh, I saw 51.5 at some places, but uh, at one place, I should say. But mostly it was 52.5, and, and there's a, I mean, a few 52.5s, and, and then a lot of 53s as well, especially here in Vegas. And that uh, game landed right 30, 30 to 23, right on 53. So, um, yeah, bet that, bet that one light there. I closed, you would have bet it over and would have pushed uh, Endor 1. And if you would have bet the end early, it would have been a winner. So. A uh, good example there of uh, getting the best of the number. Yep. So uh, that'll do it for that. Uh, let's jump into week nine here, huh? Yep. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's get back on the train. I know uh, 
you got off your horse a little bit for that pick of the week and a little bit of a rough week uh, release plays, but that's, uh, you know, okay, what are you going to do? Get back on the horse and let's get back at it. Yeah, and there's no better way to do that than a Thursday night football game between Oakland and San Francisco. <laughs> uh, looks like looks like San Francisco here is a two and a half point home favor, the total of 46. Yeah, my power rating here, uh, San Francisco three and a half, Westgate open San Francisco three and a half. Look at line, San Francisco, two and a half minus one twenty, and the total here open forty seven and a half. Um, you kind of saw this game jump a little bit up after I'd open, and then kind of came back down. And I think the reason why for that is uh, the question mark for the quarterback for San Francisco. We're not really sure. I, I'm not sure if you know anything about Bethard, but um, I think uh, it looks like for me on my screen, it's not even been it's not even uh, that he's been decided yet that he's going to be quarterbacking for sure. So I'm not really sure uh, the status of him i haven't really heard on it so i guess i'll have to wait and see but i mean either way from from my perspective i'm not gonna be betting this game anyway so it's not that i'm gonna be paying too closely attention to um from a betting perspective but yeah it looks like like i said that game got up to a little bit higher now you're sitting back down at two and a half three so a little bit of oakland money came back in after opener and i do got a little bit of money, money on oakland myself from somebody else to follow but myself uh i really don't have much of an opinion on this game uh i don't know it just seems like uh these two bad teams here another just pitiful Thursday night game, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much just you got to play who's motivated and who's not, and I, it's pretty tough to, to gauge, so uh, for me, it's a pretty easy pass here on Thursday night football. Yeah, I I don't totally disagree with that, but I think indications are it looks like Beathard is not going to be playing, and I know that look, Nick Mullins is their third stringer from Southern Miss, who's, you know, has any, doesn't have any experience in, in the starting or playing a normal season, regular season game. And then they just signed Tom Savage out the scrap heap. Oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, the macho man Tommy Savage. So if he's – I'm sure he'd be the one that's going to start. And you got him coming in off, what, three days practice with the team at, at most? When you're an all-star, when you're an MVP-type candidate, that's not too much, you know. Yeah, too, not, I mean, I'm plenty sure, of time. sure you can assimilate to any offense in no, no time. But for your average journeyman – coming in like that and sometimes you'll I think I've mentioned this before but you'll get I think maybe it's actually when Garoppolo went down as you get a home run effort from everybody else on the team the first game back and you, at least you had a backup that's got reps with some people on the team and has gone through the you know training camp and the preseason and everything so he says at least has some familiarity with the organization and the coaches and the scheme but when I mean, you're talking about bringing in Tom Savage wasn't on any team before just sitting at home you know who knows if he's even in great shape he obviously doesn't know the scheme at all so to come in try to learn the scheme in no time and then go out there and have some kind of chemistry and uh with his new receivers and new linemen and new uh you know play calling do everything that just seems like a lot to ask and uh i'm not obviously not a fan of oakland i don't think they're a great team by any means but just based on the situation alone, if it's for sure Beathard is ruled out, I think that uh, I like the Oakland side a decent amount. Um, you know, they, they've they been trading away people, whatever, with getting Amari Cooper gone now along with Max, so they're getting rid of all their stars and building for the future. But that being said, uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's any reason or they're not, like, actively trying to lose with the players that they have, so... Uh, I think if Beathard does play, I kind of like the over because I think they'll both be able to put up some points against each other. And if he's out, then I kind of like the Oakland side. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's a good point. Like I said, I did bet Oakle myself at three, so three with a little bit of reduced juice. I'm getting a pretty good number of where it sits now, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, by both sides in total there uh, for the, the situation. All right, so well, San Fran will probably win a 9-3 game with Savage at the helm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's head uh, straight to Sunday here. First game is Detroit, fresh off their shellacking against the Seahawks, heading to Minnesota. Fresh off their shellacking home against the Saints. Looks like the Vikes are four and a half point home favorites, the total of 49 and a half. In my power rating here, Minnesota minus seven. Westgate open, Minnesota minus six and a half. Look headline, Minnesota six and a half. And the total here open 51. Um, kind of confused by this line, actually. I'm, I'm surprised it's so low. And uh, even some people i follow and respect or you know that they uh look into the detroit side with even at this low number in my opinion so i mean what this tells me i give minnesota home field advantage of three and a half i mean i think you could see it on that monday uh, that sunday night game last week about how impactful that crowd is i mean that whole the stadium was just rocking u.s bank stadium there in minnesota against the saints i mean obviously it's a big game but i would expect uh not not quite as crazy but something pretty similar here in a division game against a, a definitely a, a, a decent competitor in Detroit so I mean it, it's that's you know the three and a half I think is definitely warranted for a home field and then you know you look like like you said you're looking at four four and a half five somewhere in that range I mean you're so the numbers are basically telling you the Minnesota is a slightly better team than Detroit and to me I think they're uh, uh, definitely a, a couple marks above uh, above Detroit by a decent margin so I don't know I think there's value on Minnesota here again um, kind of going back to the well and I bet and he said you released a play and bet Minnesota last week and I was waiting around and I was definitely gonna bet them, especially once the money came out of New Orleans. I ended up finding a three before uh, right before kickoff, a little bit extra juice, and I really liked the three there at home and even after the game, like you said, they lost by ten, kind of a little you know, could have potentially left by seventeen, but he still felt like it was kinda of the right side and I don't know. I feel like this is another game where I think this should this game should be closer to six and a half or seven and you're getting some line value here. Um I again kinda of confused by it um like what you know minnesota you know look kind of bad but like you said they outgained new orleans almost three to one on the stat sheet and uh a few turnovers just kind of cost them and they're kind of a little bit fluky as well and then uh detroit they didn't do anything too i mean they had a they're going down to score and they uh had a few uh red zone turnovers there one maybe and then another one that was close to the red zone against seattle but it's not like they did anything overly impressive to and to get warranted here to make an adjustment so i'm a little confused by this line here so I don't love it necessarily just because um, the Minnesota team, I don't know, just like I feel like a little, you know, like I said, a little bit of a homer and betting on last week, a little bit gun shy, but I feel like that's the side you got to look here is Minnesota or nothing. Yeah, I, I kind of agree that I think the Vikes have been a little bit undervalued in the market for the most part this year. Um, I, I, I wish, it's too bad Detroit didn't win last week against Seattle. Then oh, exactly. I love the spot here for Minnesota, but the fact that they kind of got semi-embarrassed at home. Uh, kind of gives me a little bit of hesitation here in back of the Vikes over a field goal. Then you factor in, I'm not a big you know, serious history guy, but I know the last few years the Vikes have had way more trouble than they should with Detroit at home, which doesn't you know, seems kind of strange. I know last year was the game where uh, Cook tore his ACL, and they ended up losing a real frustrating one where I was pretty uh, enthusiastic in back of the Vikes in that one. Um. Yeah, I, I think this number is probably a, a tad bit short, but my hesitation would be: I think Detroit's the type of team that, like, how many times have we seen Stafford just building up his stats and sneaking through the back door late in games, kind of like he did uh, earlier in the year against San Francisco? Like, I just got that almost stuck in my head of the 
late Stafford game where they're pretty much they're down 17, and then all of a sudden they're scoring with a minute 20 left where they really have no shot to win the game, but they're still sneaking in to take the money. And then conversely, you got the Vikes who, not just last week, but pretty much all year, they have haven't really played many clean games. Even they've put together good stretches, but they've had some mistakes here and there, or a couple fluky plays against them or, or what have you. Uh, they just really haven't completely throttled an opponent yet this year. I think their biggest margin of victory is, I guess, I guess the Jets. They they beat up pretty good, but even that game was somewhat in question late. So if Darnold would have been a little bit more adept at quarterback, that uh, this you know type of point spread could have been in danger too. So I'd, I'd like to take Minnesota, but I just don't think I can quite get there. And uh, what do you think about Detroit trading Golden Tate? That was kind of an interesting. Yeah. decision by a team that's still you know relatively close to being in contention for the playoffs well especially a player like golden tate who seems like not that he's overly you know an amazing player or a top five wide receiver or anything but it seems like he's always a guy for detroit that always comes up big and is like a huge you know fallback for for uh for stafford so i don't know and uh, i think that's gonna be i think you got to down downgrade detroit by half a point or you know at least a little bit at least at least put it in your handicap. I think it's definitely going to make a little bit of an effect uh, on Detroit. So I am a little. It's kind of a strange move, I think, in my opinion. I, I don't understand that. I know the other big wide receiver is Demarius Thomas from Denver. You kind of, kind of understand that a little bit more because Denver's kind of you know they're not going to have much of a chance and they're not. And they uh, got the Chiefs and Chargers in their division. Yeah, with, so they're way far behind already. Yeah, so it's like okay, I can see that. I mean, you're kind of sending a bad message to the team, but at the same time, okay, you're going to kind of rebuild. But Detroit, I mean, they're right in it, like you said. So yeah, a little. Little little curious move there, and I'll be interested to see how their offense, if it's if it's any different or sluggish at all because of that, and I kind of expect it will be uh, slightly. And then the other thing I want to say too quickly about this game, uh, the Minnesota, I think you got to keep note too of the injuries. Uh, you know, Diggs, Diggs is questionable. We still don't know if Delvin's coming back. I don't know if you've heard anything about him, but then we have Sandeo. Obviously, I don't, I'm not not super high on Sandeo. Practice again today. Who's that? Sandeo practice again today. I think Cook's likely going to be out till after the bye. Okay, and then we got Rhodes, obviously. I don't know if, I'm not sure on his status. He's practiced again today. He should be good to go. And then what about Barr? Barr, I'm not, I think he didn't practice, so they're not sure on him yet. But, I mean, the one thing I do want to say, like, yeah, those are all, like, Rhodes. That's one of the, the one thing that almost kept me off the game last week. Is one thing I was worried about, if they, they get, that secondary gets eaten up without having, you know, Barr, Rhodes, and Sandejo. And uh, it, it really didn't, I don't think. I, I don't think they... I don't think they they play pretty well. I think in relief for those those guys and they're as beneficial as they are, especially someone like Rhodes being a shutdown corner, like the young corner that took his spots did, did pretty well. But I think when they didn't look super vulnerable or anything without them, I think that's probably a pretty good sign of our, our depth there. Uh, but so I think, but obviously it still would be a boost if they got got back in the lineup. I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think back to the Golden Tate point. I think he's also kind of a leader in that locker room. At least I've heard different quotes from him, and he seems like he was a popular guy. So the fact that it might just be kind of sending the wrong signal to the team, along with we heard those reports from the preseason about how they were pretty uh, hesitant to buy into Patricia and the fact that he would ride them really hard. Uh, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, whatever, mutiny, and not enough all-out mutiny in the locker room, but a little bit of resistance to uh, Patricia's whole spiel so it would be interesting to see if the season does kind of get away from them here and they lose this game or the next couple games and they're pretty much out of it for the playoffs it would be interesting to see they might be a team that could potentially pack it in and there might be some value betting against them the last handful of games down the stretch here so that's just something to keep in mind next game 
uh, speaking about quitting on a coach, we got uh, Kansas City heading to Cleveland with uh, no Hugh Jackson anymore for Cleveland. Looks like Kansas City is uh, eight and a half or so point road favor with a total of 51. Yeah, my power rating here, Kansas City six and a half. Westgate open, Kansas City eight. Look headline here, Kansas City six and a half, and the total here open 52. Yeah, I don't know. I think another curious move by the upper management there of Cleveland. Uh, getting rid of him now. I mean, like what does that one loss last week uh, is, is the, the the difference maker there? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's gonna as much as as much as I didn't like the coaching staff and then uh, Hugh Jackson and, and uh, Todd Haley. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Most times, what I would think of uh, when a coach gets fired, ever I'm gonna think, okay, this is their their spot. They're gonna show how much they you know bounce back and go into their coach. But I really don't like uh, the defense coordinator that's taken over the head coaching duties uh, for the rest of the season. I really don't, I'm not a big fan of him either. So, I mean, it's like, you know, replace one bad guy with another. And on top of that, I think it's going to be offensively for Cleveland, it's going to be a little bit of a, a, a problem as well. I mean, not that I was in love with Todd Haley by any stretch, but as an offensive coordinator, but at the same time, they really don't have anybody to replace him. So, um, I don't know. I, I wanted to look at, uh, not necessarily the Cleveland side. I don't know if I could even take the points here. I mean, that'd be the way I'd look, but I'd want to look at the over. I think it's just a little too low here, being a Kansas City game here and uh, Cleveland. They you know, both can potentially put up points in, in bunches, and uh, I want to look at the over. But that that thing, uh, like I said, the offensive coordinator really is not uh, doesn't sit too well with me. And then also the weather here. It looks like there's going to be quite a bit of wind and potentially some rain. So that kind of is – I might still get on it before game time. I definitely want to look at that weather report because there's too many you know negatives going against me there. So I might uh, might push me away from that total. But like I said, I feel like this total, compared to last week too, when you had the Denver total, which was, what, 50 – uh, three and a half, fifty-four, like we said, is, and then it kind of got bet down a little bit. Uh, but to, to me, I don't think I think Cleveland's a higher-scoring team and can put up more points, and the total should be higher than a, a Denver game. Myself, so I don't know. I think I'm a little question about this total, but like I said, it might just be weather-related, and if that's the case, I'll probably just uh, stay away. Yeah, it's interesting that we've I mean, we know we've mentioned this. I guess not this year because none of the coaches have been fired yet. But I know we've mentioned this in years past that usually. When a coach gets fired, the team comes out with a real good effort for the next week for most of the time. And uh, I think it would be interesting to see how Cleveland comes out here because I don't know. Did, did you? I, I mean, I didn't even watch Hard Knocks. I don't know if you did. Do you know if, if Hugh is well-liked in the locker room or not? Did you know anything about that? I think it's I think it's a deal where he wasn't – I think it's a deal where people didn't, like, hate him or necessarily, like, we're against him or they're going to be like, oh, we're going to try her once he gets fired. I think it's more of a deal like he was kind of everybody's friends and it was kind of easy going type of deal. It wasn't like he was, uh, you know, too much of a, he's not going to get the best out of people like a Bill Belichick will, where he's going to get piss people off and stuff, but still get their best effort. So I don't know. I'm, I'm like you said, I'm kind of going to be interested too how they're going to come out here. I don't, like I said, I don't really think they're going to be coming out with much fire or anything. I don't, I think they're kind of just a hopeless, hopeless team here to my, in my, my opinion. I don't think they're going to get much of a fire off this firing at all. Uh, just from the way, uh, the, he coached and the, the, the person taking over, uh, Williams. Yeah. Cause I know. If- like if the coach is real, you know, like, uh, you know, hard ass on the players that the they might come out and kind of come out with a big fu effort to them and say, you know, we're tired of you and now we're going to show that we're better off without you. But yeah, it doesn't really sound like that's the case. And I know I did hear that um, Baker wasn't a big fan of him or of Haley, and that's part of the reason why they're both gone. So it'll be interesting. I don't, but I don't think they really have any like short term um, benefits or or, or, you know, negatives or anything like that. I think it's more of a long-term thing that maybe that'll be better for his long-term growth. But as far as this week goes, 
yeah, not no real interest in this game for the most part. Uh, I, I agree, though. If anything, I would probably look over with you, but I don't think I'm going to quite get there. Next game, we have a rematch of an AFC North battle. So we got Pittsburgh heading to Baltimore, and Baltimore is three with a little bit of juice at home, a total of 47.5. Yeah, my power rating here, Baltimore 2.5. Westgate open Baltimore 3. Look at line, Baltimore 3. Total here open 47. Not really surprised where this line's at. Like you said, sitting at two and a half, three pocket, um, three a little bit extra juice on Pittsburgh, or two and a half a little bit extra juice on Baltimore. So, um, I I just can't bet the Baltimore team right now. I don't know. I bet against them last week. Uh, pretty got there pretty soundly with Carolina. Uh, never never really had any doubt in that game. I, I like that game. Like I said, pick of the week. I used it on. I uh, really said it's a play, and I felt pretty confident about it. I just. I know, I know Baltimore's a different team on the road, too, so that's something to keep in mind. But I'm just, Flacco kind of looked like the Flacco I'd expect. I know I said it several weeks ago about Dalton. I feel like Dalton and Flacco are kind of similar similar quarterbacks where they both kind of started out, you know, pretty decent this year and looked pretty good. But I think they're, you know, come back down to earth a little bit and back to the mean. And I feel like uh, that's kind of what's happening here with both these quarterbacks. And I feel like Balt, uh, Balt, Flacco's definitely, you know, got some more weapons. He's got some 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 talent around them and so you know Baltimore's a solid team, a solid defense, but I think Pittsburgh's kind of finding their strides as well. Uh but I think the I, I like the Pittsburgh size where I look to here. I just feel like uh this is gonna be a close game. It's uh it seems like they're always about three here in this Pittsburgh Baltimore matchups uh after la- from the last several years and I feel like just take the points is usually the better better idea here. But the one thing that's keeping me away from that was uh, I think it's a pretty good ball- spot for Baltimore after losing a few games here. Come back to home, you know, kind of a circle the wagons type of deal where they need to make a, you know, need a win here in the division and beat Pittsburgh again. As opposed to Pittsburgh, they've uh, kind of found their stride a little bit and have won uh, several games now in a row. So they're kind of, uh, I, you know, it's another another thing with Pittsburgh. It is a divisional game, but you never know when they're going to show up. And it's, uh, you know, you can't really rely on them to get their max effort because they just have those games where they just, you never know what the deal is with them and, and you kind of just scratch your head. So I think this, not necessarily is going to be that game, but it, it might be one of those and it, if it gets uh, you know three or if it gets any higher than three, I'll definitely be on Pittsburgh. But uh, you know, three, I'll, I'll take a look at Pittsburgh. But uh, don't 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 love it by any means. Yeah, no, I lost on this earlier in the year. I thought I bet Pittsburgh at home against Baltimore on Sunday night and thought it was a pretty good spot. And uh, Baltimore pretty much dominated that game, uh, pretty much the whole way through. So I don't know. I just think Pittsburgh's offense in a way kind of reminds me of the Vikes a little bit, where. If they play a clean game, I think they just have an immense amount of talent and they should put up a ton of points and be a real tough team to beat. But it just seems like pretty much week in and week out, Roethlisberger makes a couple bad decisions or just a couple of weird things happen where they turn the ball over a few times and it just leads to them being way less efficient than they should be as an offense and their defense isn't good enough to overcome that. So... I just, I, I don't know. It could just be one of those things where that's just a siren song that just keeps drawing me in, and it's just dumb on my part. But I, I keep look like look, waiting for this Pittsburgh team to kind of click on all cylinders, and I think they have that potential. But even last week, I was, I had uh, Pittsburgh in a survivor pool where there's like 200 people left, and first gets 50 some thousand, and uh, Pittsburgh was my pick, and they were basically blowing out Cleveland in terms of on the field, but the score really wasn't changing that much. And it was a lot due to just them kind of being, the you know, not careful with the ball. And you could say, oh, that's just like a one-game instance or whatever, but that just seems kind of almost like a identity of theirs. 
So and you you really thought they were because I I thought the exact opposite. I thought that they were uh, Cleveland's outplaying them, like especially the first half, and then they just uh, couldn't put up any points in typical Cleveland fashion. So that's that's kind of interesting that you kind of had the exact opposite take there. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, they had, like early early in the game when it was like six nothing or whatever, they weren't super effective, but they were also they were moving the ball pretty good. What was the? Uh... Let me see if I can get the team stats here and see. So yeah, like yards wise, it was four twenty one to two thirty seven, and yeah, like, I think in the second, I would yeah, do you have the half by half breakdown there? No, I don't think it shows up. It's just the total game, but yeah, you look at time of possession, it was pretty thirty two minutes to twenty eight minutes. So they had the ball roughly the same amount, but Cleveland was struggling to do everything, and Pittsburgh was pretty much moving the ball not the whole game, but from about I don't know midway into the second quarter on, they were pretty much moving the ball at will and didn't really cash in on it too much until um, you know, later in the game. So I heard what you were saying early. Early it was a little bit more of a struggle, but uh, either way, I don't know. I, just, I feel like Pittsburgh has a really high ceiling, but they don't really reach it nearly as often as you'd expect them to. So I want to bet Pittsburgh here, but I don't know if I can, if, you know, if I'm going to take that leap of faith that they're going to play somewhat of a clean game is, is my overall point here. Uh, next game is Tampa heading to Carolina. Looks like Carolina is a six and a half point home favorite with a total of fifty four and a half. Um, yeah, my power rating here: Carolina five and a half. Westgate Open: Carolina five and a half. Look at line: Carolina four and a half. And the total here at the Westgate Open fifty four. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this. Uh, right now, I don't really have a play on. Really, not much of an opinion. Uh, I was on Carolina. I'm kind of a little bit higher on Carolina, I think, than the market's been, and it seems like now I might be catching up a little bit to them. They've uh, the stats haven't looked too good, which I think it's probably what's holding it back. They're just you know overall stats, yard per, yards per play haven't been overly impressive. But just from the eye test, I think I like. Uh, I just have some I have some confidence in Carolina. That's why it uh, put g- gave me a bet last week, and I ended up getting a pretty good number there at three, which I didn't think I should get or would have gotten, but. Now it's a whole different, uh, whole different deal here at home. Now you have to lay uh, close to a touchdown against a Tampa Bay team who can put up points and bunches, like we saw last week against the Cincinnati there, especially when you have Fitzpatrick. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I like Tampa Bay here a little bit, especially if it gets to seven, which you know it, it may get there. And if it does get to a flat seven, I'll, I'll probably be on uh, Tampa Bay for sure. Uh, have a little bit of money on him. I mean, Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's a perfect, like you say, the perfect person uh, for the back door. I really do like Fitzpatrick a lot more than uh, than Winston. I think Winston, he obviously looked bad last game, but even going into the last game, I that was one of the things that was keeping me away from the Tampa Bay side, which is the Winston. Uh, I just didn't really trust him, and he just. We, I mean, we had a bet against uh, again a week before with Cleveland, and he just basically kept Cleveland in that game, and uh, they end up barely pulling it out. But Cleveland had no really no business being in that game with all the penalties and stuff that they had, and then Winston basically made mistakes and just didn't want to take the game away, but. Not that Fitzpatrick can't make mistakes. He's definitely, you know, uh, you know, high variance type of quarterback. But uh, it, it's one of those deals. If you're getting the points, it's any on any time. That, like we said, the back door is open. So, um, yeah, like I said, uh, lean to Tampa Bay here at six and a half. And if it's seven, it'll probably be a play. <laughs> we, should, we should almost make that a bit where we're like, all right, this team's catching, you know, ninety nine and a half. You're like, well, if it gets to a hundred, you know, I might think about jumping in there. But at ninety nine and a half, I think I lean towards it. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's kind of funny yeah, how it well, seems to stick yeah, pretty much every game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about every game, but not I mean, like every game that you're going to play. It seems like it's almost always like a qualifier of like, eh, this number. But if it gets up to next key number, 
Well, there's some games, like we'll see in the next game, will be the opposite. But this is a game where, you know, the indicators right now looks like it might get to seven. So it'd be a deal. Why would you, if you think it's going to get to seven, why would you bet it at six and a half? It's pretty pretty simple as that. I'm just saying it's funny how pretty often it'll be like, I like it, okay, like the Pittsburgh two. You're saying, oh, yeah, if it gets above three, like it's always like if it gets a little bit better number than I'd like it. But right here, I don't really feel strongly on it. It's kind of something I've noticed over the, obviously it's, you know. Yeah, I was actually, that's a good point. I was thinking about that last week because I was saying, like, when we go through our opinions, it's funny how we say things and it's like, we'll not have an opinion on a game. So yeah, I think the numbers were said, then the game will move by a couple points. And I'm thinking to myself, unless there's an injury or some other, you know, unless you found some other bits of information, but if nothing's changed, those, those, those plays should be almost an autoplay every time because why would you not bet it if you didn't have any opinion earlier in the week, then it gets moved by a couple points. I mean, you're, that's that's how you're gonna win the NFL. If you think it's either either you were wrong when we were making our you know predictions on, on Wednesday when we we're doing the podcast, or you know, there's some bits of information that made you change your opinion. So I think that's some kind of as a, as a handicap when you're doing your numbers. If if you don't if you don't think of you know if you have something you think the numbers right where it should be when you look at them earlier, and then it moves unless there's some kind of information, weather, something like that, something that you can't control, then you know you basically should be betting that play. Yeah, unless you respect whatever's moving the line because you think they have a stronger opinion on the game than you like i agree with what you're saying like by definition if you have a if you think a number is exactly where it should be and then it moves then not the definition there's value that opened up unless you don't feel that strongly about it or if the number is not that key like even like the vikes game where they go from one point favorite to two and a half point dog i don't think that's enough to warrant a play if you thought if that pick was the right number there, like I don't think you should get involved either way necessarily. I don't know, do you agree with that or disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you're still talking about probably what 10, 15 cents of, you know, so I mean, it's probably, yeah, I mean, you're pretty, it's getting pretty close. I guess it's getting pretty nitpicky. Yeah, but but to your point, if uh, you know, if there's a number that starts at four and it closes two and a half, then that should be an auto bet one way or the other <laughs> you should either you know if you knew the market was going to move that way or you, you know, had an inkling of it you should either be in the plus four or minus two and a half for sure so i think that's a good point at least something to keep in mind especially as you go through the exercises like we do every week where you're looking right at the opener we're doing this midweek and then you're obviously paying attention right at close too it opens up it, 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 there's different opportunities presented based on what time of the week it is so uh this game I like Tampa quite a bit. Uh, maybe it's just a little bit of an overreaction to watching them move the ball effortlessly against Cincy there to come back and screw me last week. But I just think Fitzmagic, he's, like you said, he's a really high-variance guy. And don't get me wrong, he could throw three pick-sixes and totally play you out of the game. But I also think that he can put up points fairly easily pretty often. And if that's the case, I'm not quite as quite as high as the Carolina team as you are. Uh, even though they've been fairly impressive so far, but I think they're kind of a fraudulent five and two. And I also just don't think they're really a team. Even though I put up 36 last week, I just don't think they're really a team that's has enough playmakers to put up points in bunches. So we get a team that I think can score uh, quite a bit easier than the other team, and you're getting nearly a touchdown. I think that's kind of the way to go. Obviously, Tampa's defense was looking ridiculously bad earlier in the year, and they've haven't been good by any means the last couple of weeks, but they've been slightly better, even though they gave up 37 last week. Uh, a lot of that's just Winston-induced turnovers. So um, 
don't. I, it's one of those things I wouldn't uh, feel super confident in, but I definitely think there's a little bit of value there on the Tampa side, in my opinion. And like you, if it gets to seven, I'd like it that much more. Next game is another rematch here. We got the Jets headed to Miami. Looks like Miami's a three-point home favorite, the total of 45. Yeah, my power rating here, Miami minus one. Westgate opened Miami three. There was no look-head line, and the total here opened 45. Yeah, it's a little tough. Uh, I was on last week, but give me the Jets, uh, plus three here. I've already betted, actually, uh, three reduced juice, and think about releasing to play. I'm probably going to be doing that, but yeah, Osweiler's coming home. That's Miami team's coming home after uh, you know Thursday night. They're going to be on a little extra rest. So that's the, the the few things that I I don't like on this bet. And then the Jets on the road. Um, the the one big thing with the Jets here, I think, is Robbie Anderson. I I think I've said it a few times, but I think he's he impacts that offense like no other. I think just having the a rookie quarterback having a target like Robbie Anderson. Uh, not that he's a play, and I shouldn't say he's you know one of the best wide receivers in the league or by any stretch. But you could just tell when he's been out or when he was out last week, he just they were kind of a little bit lost uh, on, on offense a little bit. And I think, I don't know how many times you just have a big play or whatever from Robbie Anderson that just helps spark that offense. And it looks like he's questionable. I think he'll be playing. So that'll be, I think, a big boost for him. And it's kind of like the old, like Randy Moss theory of you just send him to open up the defense deep because they got to respect that. He right. kind of runs those routes too. And then it just kind of gives Darnold more room to maneuver kind of in the flats and in shorter routes. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think about that, but that's another, that's a good point. So, yeah. I, either way, I think uh, it just speaks volumes about how, how much of an impact he has on it. I mean, I don't want to go crazy with how much I think he impacts point prep, but I, I mean, I'd say a half point, point, uh, full point with having him in the lineup, which may sound crazy, but I think that's uh, that's what I would do myself. I think I can just, it just looks like a different offense when he's in the game and, and making plays. So I think he's going to be big and hopefully he'll be healthy. But uh, even if he's not, I mean, I still like to play at three, but I think that's just more, you know, more help towards the jet side. And like I said, I've already bet it and I feel like this number's uh, if anywhere it's got to go down. I think I don't think it can it go higher than three. So I think uh, you know bet it now and and take the Jets and uh, I think that plus three is a good side. Although the spot's not a super great spot for them. Like I said, Miami coming home and getting extra rest out Thursday night. Like I said, but I still feel like they're gonna be able to overcome that. And this is a game I, I won't be surprised if the Jets won out right here. Yeah, I don't know. I I definitely don't disagree with you. I think the Jets is the side I'd look. I, I was on both these teams last week catching over a touchdown and, yeah. and lost with both of them. So I don't really have any bias. I don't think either way because they both let me down. Uh, but I don't know. I, uh, the That Gase at the – what I remember, it was, seems like so long ago now, but he did a couple of really puzzling things towards the end. I've been a pretty big Gase fan as the coach of Miami there. But uh, I was, there was a few, few decisions he made last week that were just kind of mind-boggling. And uh, I don't know if I need to start reevaluating my opinion of him because it really hasn't been too impressive for the, most of his tenure here in Miami. Um, and as far as Darnold goes, he just really didn't get anything going. Uh, he had last week at Chicago, but you know the Chicago defense is a little bit of a different animal, no pun intended, than the Dolphins. So uh, maybe he'll get a little bit more success here. And it is, I don't know if it really matters much, but it is a revenge game because Miami won fairly easily at the Jets here earlier this year. So maybe the Jets will return the favor at Miami's home field, which isn't overly strong. So I don't know. I I don't feel really confidently here. I, I'd be tempted kind of like uh, if it does somehow move up and you're getting more than a field goal, I'd be pretty tempted to take the Jets. But at the current price, I, I don't think I'm really get involved because I just only trust either of these teams. 
And I, I do agree that I think the Jets are probably a little bit better or I tend to like them here, but just with the spot with the Miami coming off extra rest and getting semi-embarrassed on prime time just kind of negates that enough for me to stay away. Next game we have is Atlanta at Washington. Looks like Washington's a point and a half home favor with a total of 47. Yeah, my power rating here, Washington minus one. Westgate open, Washington minus two. Look at line, Washington minus one. And the total here open, 48. Um, I... I don't know. I, I'm a little disappointed where this number came out at. I mean, Washington's kind of kind of been on a roll. They've been winning, winning games and covering. So you'd think you kind of see an upward adjustment where you might get a little bit of value on the other side betting against them. But I don't really see a whole lot of value here on this on this point spread. Like I said, my, my numbers indicate maybe a slight bit of value, maybe a point point off or something like that, but not as much as I'd, I'd like to see. With that being said, I still think uh, this Washington team's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I really don't like them that much. Um, I, I, and Atlanta, I know it's pretty still, still pretty injury riddled, but they're coming off a bye. They're uh, three and five right now, so I mean they're kind of, are <laughs> sorry three and four, and uh, you know they need they're in a pretty much must win here with especially in a tough division to even have a chance at you know even making a run and getting to a playoff uh, berth. So I feel like this is a a good spot here for Atlanta. Um, I like like I said getting out the bye too. They should get a little bit more healthy, and uh. Yeah, and they're going to be able to put up points like we see all the time, I would think, with this offense. So I like the Atlanta side, and I think the way the game's going to play out, and I see this total here is pretty low for an Atlanta game, which I get it. Washington's low scoring. You know, I mentioned that before in the past prior podcast about how they're a lower scoring team. They kind of play the play the ball and slow the tempo down and all that stuff. But I think it's going to be a little bit different game here because Atlanta, I think, is going to get up a little bit up-tempo, uh, probably be able to game plan stuff with the bye and be able to make something happen on offense. So then the only way Washington's be able to com- combat with that is to be able to go a little bit more up-tempo as well. So I feel like there's going to be some higher scoring game as well. And I feel like Atlanta's going to be able to be able to take care of business here uh, on the road here in Washington. So I won't be surprised if they went out right. Yeah, I remember last week you made the case for the Giants-Redskins being a lower scoring game. And I said, I don't know, I think the Redskins might match the Giants a little bit more. And the Giants might try to get a little bit more up-tempo. And clearly that wasn't the case with the 2013 final there. Well, it's funny. Um, so, there was a lot of sharp money on that over too, which I was really—I never—I didn't like that at all, and I was debated. I, I was debating under, but like you said, a comment like we said a little bit ago about how you respect somebody that might know more than you. That's kind of what I almost thought, but I didn't really like the play at all in the over. Yeah. Um. So it's it's one of those things where basically using that same logic, I it, I can see how you can make the case that Washington will match. Uh, Atlanta tempo a little bit more, and and maybe there is a little bit of value here on the over after Washington's played a handful of low scoring games in a row. But I don't I don't know. It's with the fact that Washington just keeps riding AP and have Alex Smith, who's just the checkdown king. Maybe they are just a super low scoring team, and uh, it's just you're kind of up against it going into the game if you're betting them over. But maybe that's just an overreaction last couple of weeks, too. I don't know. I just don't really have a strong enough read to really have much of an opinion there on the total. As far as the side goes, I kind of we didn't, we didn't talk about this at all before, but I thought the same thing. Just looking at the matchups before the numbers came out, I'm like, oh, nice. I'm going to get, you know, three with Atlanta. Uh, the fact that Washington's five and two and leading the NFC East on a three game win streak. And I figured they get a little bit of credit for that. And Atlanta's been pretty putrid for most of the year. And I was surprised they were even three and four. Uh, I guess they've won two in a row themselves against the Bucks and Giants, which you know doesn't really gain you a whole lot of credibility. But then when they came out at one and a half, I'm like, 
you know, there's just not enough there. I I do think Atlanta's going to win the game, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they still have quite a few injuries. I'm not a huge Matt Ryan fan, and just on the road, I don't know. It's just there's just not enough value there to really back him. I don't think so. I really want to take Atlanta, but the way the number came out, it just kind of neutralized that play, and I'll just uh, move on to the next game, which is the last of the early games. We have Chicago at Buffalo. Buffalo off that collapse there and, uh, against the Pats on Monday night, and Chicago off a pretty solid win against the Jets last week. Looks like Chicago is a 10-point road favor, the total 37.5. Super low total there, huh? Yeah, one of the lowest ones we've seen uh, this year, I think. And, uh, yeah, my power rating here in Chicago is 7.5. Westgate opened Chicago 8.5. No look at line available. And then, like you said, that total opened here 37.5 at the Westgate. Um, yeah, this is another simple one for me. I was on Buffalo against the Patriots there Monday night. And I felt like it was the right side, but didn't end up making it, the, making it to the window. That pick six there definitely changed the tides. Uh, that New England pick six. And then... Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think it's the same kind of deal here. I, I feel like it's too many points, and you just have to sit here and... Ah, oh boy, but yeah, it's just with Peterman, it's so tough. But yeah, you're getting 10 points at home. You just got to hope that he can, you know, at some point just put it together. But it's pretty frustrating to watch. But obviously, there's like uh, my number suggests you're getting quite a bit of value here on Buffalo. So uh, I'm not going to be releasing a play on it because I just can't do it uh, to any followers. And uh, I can only do it to myself, uh, The you know, like poking needles in yourself. But yeah, I think uh, Buffalo plus 10 here is uh, the way I'd have to look. But uh not going to be rushing to the window. It might, might even get higher. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I felt similar last week where I thought there was some value on Buffalo. And it seems like taking a home team on Monday night plus 14 blind has to be a decent bet. But I ended up staying away from it just because, you know, Derek Anderson was looked so putrid the week before against the Colts. And it was, uh, yeah, I, I felt to, like it was yeah, trying to qual- Trying to qualify for the, the U.S. Open and the Masters. Yeah, I heard about that little nugget there from the announcers. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. It it seemed like it was pretty much the right side for a huge majority of that game. And obviously it didn't get you the money. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing where this is inflated. I think there's value on Buffalo. Especially, you know, when you talk about point spreads in terms of how they're correlated to the total. A total of 37 and a half and you're catching 10. Like that's pretty crazy to have that big of a point spread for this small of a total. If you if your book will let you do correlated parlays, uh, I think uh, you know the Buffalo to the under and Chicago to the over, specifically Buffalo to the under, isn't a bad call because if it stays under 37, I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that Buffalo's going to stay within 10 there. But all that being said, I just... I think Buffalo might have a, a hint of Cleveland from a couple of years ago where every week it looks like there's value and the number's too high. But if they're just that bad, they might just be that bad. And in this case, it might have a lot to do with Peterman or Anderson, whoever their quarterback is. So I think I'm going to stay away until further notice. Um, I Early in the year, I got a little proactive and tried to back Peterman because I thought maybe the markets were too sour on him. And uh, that didn't work out too good for me. <laughs> so... I think I'm just going to stay away, and maybe if Josh Allen comes back and looks halfway competent, uh, we'll get a decent amount of value later in the year on Buffalo. But for now, for me, it's kind of a, a wait-and-see approach. It's funny how much this team's fallen off, too, since last year being making a playoff uh, playoff team, and now they just looked awful and one of the worst teams in the league. Pretty crazy. I think a lot of that has to do with the quarterback play. 
Yeah, I agree. I also think they were just super fortunate last year with well, turnover yeah. luck and you know the easy schedule, and just kind of had a really, really nice, fortunate year. And you get all the people that are, you know, trolling the analytics people and saying, "Oh yeah, you know, whatever." The, the, you know, they ended up making the playoffs and it was a successful year and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, that was a you know, sixteen game sample size, a fairly short, small sample size. Now next year with roughly the same players outside of quarterback, which I agree has been a you know, pretty significant downgrade. But even even with Taylor, it's hard to imagine they'd be winning many more of these games. Yeah. But anyway, um, so it's funny how people take the victory lap on something when it's still relatively small sample size. That was my main point there. Uh, to the afternoon games, because we got three of them. Uh, first one is Houston heading to Denver. Houston with a newly acquired Demarius Thomas. Looks like he can stay in Denver there for this game. Looks like Denver's yeah. a one-point home favor with a total of 46, 46 and a half. Yeah, my power right here, Denver 1, Westgate open a pick em. Look at line here at Houston minus one and a half, and the total here open 46. Yeah, I, I don't have much in this game at all. I mean, uh, I don't like either of these two teams. I want to bet against them. I think I might like Denver less uh, than I like Houston. So, I mean, maybe uh, if anything, I'd look at the Houston side if I had to. But, yeah, definitely not a strong play for me. And I don't know. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a, it's a tough game. I feel like side end total, I think this kind of game is sitting right where it should be. So, I'm an easy pass for me. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I, I don't know. I haven't really liked either of these teams bet against Houston last week and would have liked to take Denver getting the points against Kansas City, but I just didn't totally trust them. So I don't know. I, I think I would rather have Denver, even though I didn't take them last week. I think I would rather have them in a little bit more of a dog roll where I think Keenum can kind of come sneak through the back door as opposed to a pick em range where they have to beat a team. And I, I just one of those things where I just, I, I, I think I've had trouble gauging Houston. Uh, obviously, and they last week and then the Jacksonville game, it's been two weeks in a row now where they've played legitimate games. And I thought two weeks ago was the aberration, and I still am not really totally willing to say that that's not an aberration based on the fact that they beat a bad Brock Osweiler on Thursday night on a short week on the road the next week. So I'm not really willing to buy into them, but I also don't feel as strongly as I did last week that they're complete frauds anymore. And I also don't trust Denver enough to count on them to take care of business against Houston either. So I pretty much agree. I think it's a long way of going about saying that this will be kind of an interesting one to watch, but no real opinion here on who to bet on. Next game is the Chargers heading to Seattle. Looks like Seattle is a one-and-a-half, two-point home favor with a total of 48. Um. Yeah, let's see. Give me a second. I got uh, Seattle here is my power rating, one-and-a-half. Uh, that's my power rating. Let's get here open. Seattle minus two. Look ahead line here is a pick 'em, and the total here open forty eight. And I don't know. I feel pretty similar like I do about the last game. I just don't have much of an opinion. I uh, Seattle, I think, is a good team at home. Or uh, like I think one of those teams that a home road split, kind of maybe kind of like a Dallas team. We might talk about here uh, a little bit. Um, just a team you want to take at home, or at least look at at home. But you know, this Chargers team coming off a bye. They've been pretty confident, and they're pretty much always playing on the road too. So they're uh, they're they're used to it. But they're going to be in a pretty hostile environment there in Seattle. Um, I get, like I said, give a pretty big home field advantage to Seattle. But uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think this line. Uh, I don't know. If I had to lean one way, I really don't even know which way I'd go. I probably just lean Seattle, getting points, or I mean, uh, laying a less than a field goal at home uh, with that big home field advantage. But I uh, don't really love it, and I 
like I said, probably won't get to the window here, uh, no matter no matter where this line gets to. I don't think. If I trusted the Chargers head coach, I think I would be real heavy on the Chargers. I think they're significantly a better team. Uh, I'm still not a, even though Seattle handled the Lions fairly easily last week, I'm still just not really a, a big Seattle believer. Um, they're probably, I mean, they're 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 obviously better than kind of a lot of people's preseason expectations and uh, where they were projected a few weeks ago, but I still just don't think they're that great of a team. And if the Chargers head coach, if I really liked what, like I mentioned last week too, Pete Carroll off a of bye has been pretty good for the most part. So it's like, all right, you beat the Raiders pretty handedly in, in, um, in London. Then you take your bye and you come back with the extra time to prepare and, and beat a Lions team who is, you know, average or maybe slightly above average, but they're not a juggernaut by any means. Uh, you know, you definitely got to give them credit and bump them up a tab, but I'm still not really willing to say that they're a playoff team or, or that great of a team, and as opposed to the Chargers, who are, I think, like the fifth Super Bowl favorite or something at this point, and their only losses are the Rams and the Chiefs. So I definitely lean towards the Chargers. I hear what you're saying with the Seattle home field. That's always scary, uh, especially with a team that's been prone to missing kicks and making mistakes, uh, as the Chargers have been. makes it even scarier. Uh, so I, I definitely like the Chargers if I trusted the coach more that he was going to coach a clean game and have him well prepared off the bye I would really love the Chargers but since I don't, I'm not a huge fan of him uh, I'll probably just stick to a normal liking the Chargers uh, last game is pretty pretty good one here, might be the game of the year so far got the Rams heading to New Orleans looks like New Orleans is a point and a half two point home favorite, the total of 59 and a half 60 yeah, my power rating here, New Orleans minus one. Uh, Westgate open here, Rams minus one. Look at the line was a pick 'em, and the total here opened 60 and a half, which uh, I think by, nine, by my numbers on the openers, that's the highest total we've seen all year, and I think the uh, highest opener I've seen, I don't know about you, but just uh, pretty crazy. Uh, got bet yeah, down. outside of college. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, I didn't put that caveat in. Um, but yeah, it looks like a little bit of downward movement on that total. And again, I don't even know. I don't really necessarily agree with that. I mean, it's just going to be a, a couple groups probably that are betting the totals under just because it's such a high total here. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's just straight numbers plays yeah. where the sharps or quasi sharps or whatever are just taking that out because that's what their numbers their system tells them, which I, I understand like that principle, you know, in theory. But I just think whatever models or stats you're using from the past. They're not irrelevant, but this is such, such a different game with all the protections the quarterbacks and receivers and the offense in general has versus the defense. That's just the games have been high scoring throughout most of this year. So I just don't, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm going to rush Beth over, but yeah, it's hard for me to agree if there's those straight numbers plays on the under just due to history. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not in a hurry about the under, that's for sure. I don't. Like you said, I think I'd probably lean over if anything, but yeah, it's just it's a it's just a high total. You kind of respect it, and I think you just uh, I think it's it's warranted. So um, that's for the points right on the side. Uh, yeah, another another one for me. It's kind of tough. I kind of like the earlier earlier games here, but the I think kind of goes through here the later games and the night game for me. It's just uh, there's not much there. I mean, yeah, they're going to be all good games. A few quite a few good games here, but the Chargers, Seahawks, this game, the next game we're talking about, we're going to have some good games to watch. That'll be good, but. Don't have to have action on all of them. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, if you can't find any value, then you might just have to pass. And 
With this one, I don't even know where I lean. I guess uh, that'd be tough for me. I think if anything, I would look at uh, teasing the Rams up here. One and a half is a perfect spot for an advantage teaser, and I would uh, tease them up through three and through seven and uh, getting the Rams uh, plus seven and a half. We might uh, might get there uh, later in the segment. I guess we'll see. I don't know if you mentioned this or did, I don't know if you did that at the beginning or if you just went straight to the total, but the Rams opened as a favorite, correct? Yes, they did, yeah. And then money came in on New Orleans? Yeah, my power rating was New Orleans one, but yeah, the, the opener was one and a half on the Rams. So I wonder what drove that New Orleans money. It's not injury related or you know anything. Obviously not weather related in the dome. Yeah, that's a good um, question. I don't know. We kind of, it seems like we kind of see that a lot with some of these games here, where I I've kind of mentioned it a handful of times about how here's the opener and and the, the numbers moving off of you know it doesn't really make a lot of sense from the way the teams played. So kind of like I said with that Minnesota Detroit game, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean you could say the Rams didn't look overly impressive in beating the Packers and. New Orleans won fairly easily against the Vikings on a primetime game, so they might get a little attention there. But I think the New Orleans game, obviously we talked about, that was they did what they had to do, and they won the game, and maybe that's what good teams do. But I also think that was more so a case of the Vikings just shooting themselves in the foot than the New Orleans really taking it to them and looking overly impressive. So these, these are both teams that I've bet against a decent amount this year. It's more so the, the Saints than the Rams. Uh, I just think they're both valued super highly and obviously there's a record to say they're seven and all and six and one so they deserve to be valued very highly but I, I think the rams are definitely a notch above new orleans i think new orleans is more of a an above average good team but definitely not a great team where i think the rams are clear cut uh you know the best team in the nfc so i think you're getting a little bit of a discount on the rams um so i think i would lean that direction especially getting any kind of points. I just think that's pretty crazy. And both these coaches obviously are really good. So I think McVay's maybe the best coach in the league right now, uh, probably you know, outside of Belichick. And I think Peyton's really good, but I'd still give the edge to the Rams. So I think that's probably the direction I would lean. Not sure if I'll bet it or not, but I'm, I'm kind of liking it at the, at the time. Uh, Sunday night game's a pretty good one here. We got Green Bay heading to New England. Looks like... New England is a five and a half, six point home favorite with a total of fifty seven. Yeah, my power rating here, New England five and a half. Westgate open, New England six and a half. Look at line here, New England seven and a half. And the total here open fifty seven and a half. Um Yeah, I I don't know, I guess uh, I guess you see a little bit of downward kind of like we just talked about about how the numbers moving off of that opener. Uh yeah, I guess it's just pretty much because of Green Bay looks competent as being a a somewhat bigger dog, more than the field goal there. Uh, obviously got uh, more than the touchdown at, at the Rams last week and looked pretty competent, so it's kind of the similar sentiment here, I would assume, uh, from the betters' perspective. But I don't I don't know. I, to me, it's I'm not going to lay this many points against Rodgers um, with this Brady team who, uh, I mean, give credit to Buffalo. They stopped him in the red zone. I mean, the fact that they settled for so many field goals last game on Monday night is, I think, a little bit discerning of, uh, from Patriots fan. I mean, you kind of expect to get – uh, more touchdowns there. I think what was it, the first four or five they couldn't uh, couldn't get in the end zone, had to kick field goals or something like that. So, um, and then the Green Bay defense, I think, give them credit too. Last week they played uh, you know pretty solid uh, against that Rams uh, offense for most of the game, and had some uh, pretty good cornerback play and looked uh, somewhat competent. I don't know if that necessarily will continue, but you still got to you know, point that out. So I think uh, they might be able to slow down. Brady just a tad, but uh, obviously still another high total here. And uh, if anything, I'll look at uh, Green Bay getting the points, but definitely not something I'm going to be rushing to the window to get to. Yeah, I 
I kind of agree. I think I'd probably like Green Bay a tad bit more than you. Uh, it is kind of a little bit troubling when they're off back-to-back road games, especially on opposite coasts. That's a lot of travel. Yeah, with the high-caliber foes, too. What was that? With the two high-caliber foes that yeah, they have to play. Yeah, exactly. Just back-to-back. Top of the top-tier teams going uh, that far travel is definitely a little worrisome. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one quote. <laughs> Somebody they asked Rogers about uh, what was it, why they didn't why they tried to run it so much and then they didn't throw more. And he's like, well, he's like, you know, that Mike calls the plays, obviously, or something like along those lines. It's definitely, <laughs> it is funny how many like digs he takes at McCarthy. And, you know, I, I think he can be a little bit of a, you know, kind of a pompous, you know, dick at times. But I think for the most part, obviously, we, you know, agree with him that I think McCarthy holds him back way more than he, he helps him out. I know Brady said something earlier this week that if Rogers was New England's quarterback, he'd throw for 7,000 yards a season. And it sounds outlandish, but I, and honestly, it might not be far off if they wanted to keep their pedal to pedal to the metal there. <laughs> you uh, uh, speaking of Brady, did you see my Snapchat? I think I sent it to you about the yeah, yep. God, was that funny? With uh, he's doing the interview there, and Belichick walks by and kind of hits him on the on the shoulder, and they both give a thumbs up to each other. It looks like something in, like middle school or something like that. It's just hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I I like Green Bay. I, obviously, the last week when you're getting the eight and a half eight nine somewhere in there it's a little bit more enticing than than the six here but i also just don't i think the rams are a team that like we said multiple times are more willing to run it up where new england is they're going to try to score obviously but they're also most concerned about winning the game whether that's by three or by 10 or by 20 they don't really seem to care they're just taking care of business and and moving on to the next week so uh, i think green bay at six is pretty intriguing to me and uh that's definitely the way i would look and just kind of put your faith in rogers again and and from a motivation standpoint the the pats have kind of righted the ship here and after a little bit of early season turmoil they're back to six and two and in their division and the dolphins are four and four and that's their really only competition so they're kind of on cruise control here and obviously they're going to want to win and you know home time home primetime game they're going to come to play but that uh, back against the wall mentality is definitely not there for them. Whereas the Packers, they're uh, three, three and one now, and a game behind the Vikes and behind the Bears. So they're it's not a must win for them by any means. But it's also I think they're a spot where they're going to be super motivated and gonna, you know you're going to get peak Rogers. So in this case, I think six is is the way to look. Yeah, and Rogers Frank trust, huh? That's right. So after a string of three super, you know, pretty good games there, now we get the Monday Nighter of Tennessee heading to Dallas. Looks like Dallas is a six and a half point home favorite with a total of forty-one. Yeah, my power rating here: Dallas minus four. Westgate open Dallas four and a half. Look headline here: Dallas four, and the total here open forty-one. Um, kind of funny, like we were talking about earlier about a, a line that moves where I don't really understand it. Kind of like that Saints game. I mean, this is I think this would be the prime candidate for me this week. I don't. I don't get. I don't understand this move at all. I mean, uh, the acquisition of Dallas getting a wide receiver from Oakland. I mean, maybe is that that can move the, the needle two points? I don't. I don't think so. Two and a half points. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't like this Tennessee team that much. I bet on them. I thought it was a pretty good spot a few weeks back, and kind of ended up biting me in the butt. But I did have some money on them before they went into the buy in London against the Chargers, and they made that game competitive, and they could have very easily won it outright. 
uh, let alone getting the seven points. Um, but yeah, coming off a bye here, I know both teams are as well, but uh, I think Tennessee after you know, that bye will be helpful after that London trip. So yeah, I don't think uh, necessarily a spot's good for either one of the teams more so than the other, but um, I, I, one thing that scares me away from this game is Dallas at home. I think they're, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think, I think they're significantly better at home. They're kind of a home road split type of team like Seattle, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, to me, I don't know. I don't think this point spread's too high, and uh, I, I like the Tennessee side of if anything, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get a little bit better number here before close, but um, yeah, I think Tennessee side's the way I'll be looking, and um, hopefully they can keep it competitive here against uh, against Dallas on the road. Yeah, you pretty much stole my, my whole spiel here. Uh, I made the point a couple weeks ago when Washington was hosting the Cowboys of how big of a Jekyll and Hyde team they are, they're, how big a home road split they have. So this kind of flies in the face of that would be the negative, but I think other than that, I'd say Tennessee's as good as the Cowboys, if not better. I think they have a better coach. Uh, quarterback, I think Prescott's probably a little bit better than Mariota, but definitely not a huge margin by any means. So the fact that you're getting six and a half, or six, six and a half, somewhere in there, just seems kind of crazy to me. I mean, I could see if you bump uh, the Dallas up for their home field, maybe maybe even up to four. Uh, you know, that's one of those where I still probably like Tennessee, but that's, you know, I think pretty reasonable. But the fact that it's in this range is pretty ridiculous to me. So. I think uh, I think Rabel's fairly significantly better than um, Garrett too. So, did we, did we talk then, about that last podcast about how horrific that play calling was for, from Garrett before they went to the bye there uh, uh, in that divisional game when they didn't take any shots and, and were you know fine settling for that forty nine yard or forty seven yard field goal whatever that was. Yeah, I don't think we did against Washington when yeah. Washington ran out of bounds and gifted him a ton of time and then they wasted like a minute running the ball four yards or whatever to settle after that 49-yarder. Well, yeah, just just terrific, and it's all on it's all on Garrett. And then he said afterwards, oh, I'm confident you know, with my kicker. And kicking, it's like, well, what, what – especially in nowadays, the way the kickers are kicking, how about people missing them and missing extra points and missing 45-yarders. I mean, it's like you should never feel confident, especially when you have time on the clock, to – your kicker's going to make a longer kick, you know, 40-plus-yard kick, 40 – or high 40-plus-yard kick. And one of my friends is a big Dallas fan out, out here, and, you know, I was saying how – how hard it would be to be a Dallas fan when you have, in my opinion, one of the worst coaches in the league. I mean, now that Hugh Jackson gone, I think he might be a candidate for one of the worst. So, I don't know, just just terrific. I mean, and, and especially when you get uh, down to, I know this one's a little bit higher point spread, but when you get down to the end of the game too, it's just uh, bad coaching and bad, bad play calling and stuff and bad decision making. It's just, uh, yeah, something, you, you, it's hard to be on that side. Yeah, and then conversely, you got Rabel, who the two-point conversion didn't work out there in London at the end of the game to win, but they still came back covered and has been a pretty aggressive coach for the most part. And even though it didn't work out, you'd sure think the guys in the locker room are much happier playing for a guy that believes in them and is constantly going for the throat. You're going to give them chances to, to succeed as opposed to Garrett, who's in a, in a day and age where pretty much coaches are for the most part, like a lot of the successful ones are pretty aggressive across the board. You got someone who's punting from the opponent's territory pretty frequently and yeah, settling for 50-yard field goals instead of – either he doesn't trust in his offense at all, which isn't a good sign, or he's just you know a horrific coach, which I think there's been enough data that pretty much shows that. So anytime you're getting the what I think much better coach and the six, six-and-a-half points, I think you uh, have to go that direction. So that'll do her for the uh, week nine already. can't believe it's you know, already half halfway through the season here. 
but let's uh, end up the pod with the pick of the week, huh? The AS Pick of the Week. So for the first time, and it's got to be about a year or so, looks like you're up first, so where are you looking there, Rob? That's right. Woo! I'm uh, feeling pretty good coming off uh, coming off a win here. I know it uh, doesn't really mean much uh, for the season-long uh, standings for me. No, you're still uh, you're not, not terrible. What uh, I guess what what are we at here for the records? Do you uh, have it offhand or no? Uh, you're whatever two five so, and one and or two four and yeah, one looks or like something like that. Looks like you're four and three and I'm one five and one. So okay, not uh, not not too good. So I got my first Getting win. Getting off the schneid. Yeah, I got my first win. So uh, ready to make some progress. Uh, one thing positive on mine on my release plays, I am hitting uh, just over fifty five percent and uh, up just under three units on the year. So hopefully uh, keep that going. But yeah, I got to get my picks and week picks of the week in shape now. Um, so yeah, let's get a couple winners this week. So I'm gonna start it off. I kind of mentioned it, uh, alluded to it earlier, but I I really don't like a whole lot of sides this week. Uh, that I, I mean, there's gonna be some plays that I have that you know I feel like there's some value on, but there's not really in that I'm like oh this is a slam dunk or I feel really really confident about it by any stretch. No, you know bigger unit plays for 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 instance. So the way I'm gonna look uh, for me then it's either gonna be a total or I'm gonna go for a teaser. So I think I'm I really really not a whole lot of t- the totals I like right now at the, during the midweek. So. I'm gonna go with that teaser. I like um, I like where it's sitting here. The Rams plus one and a half. I'm gonna tease them up six points, get them up to seven and a half uh, advantage teaser. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, get them through the key numbers of three and seven. So I'll take the Rams for my first leg plus seven and a half. And the second part of my teaser, I'll do pretty much the same thing. Uh, I talked about I like this game earlier, but I'm kind of uh, surprised about the number came a little bit lower. So I'll take Atlanta on the other leg. Uh, again, they're getting plus one and a half. I think consensus right now. So I'll tease them up. So I'll take. Uh, Two teams there, Atlanta plus seven and a half and uh the Rams plus seven and a half in my uh teaser pick of the week. Yeah, that's pretty juicy. I like that quite a bit. Uh maybe you're starting to find your mojo here as far as the picks of the week go. Yeah, I'm not knock on wood there, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I don't I felt a little bit better about this week than I did actually about last week. Real quick, real quick, I just want to I just want to elaborate here just on the Atlanta. I forgot to mention, but I think the other thing too uh, to mention, I I do like getting the points with more points to Atlanta there, just for the simple fact with Washington about how they when they if they do have a lead, which I don't really expect that's how the way the game will go, but if they do have a lead, I feel like they're going to be able to just run the clock out and and just try to get the game over with. So I feel like uh, getting seven and a half with Atlanta, the, the door will always be uh, wide open there for a back door if if they are in the game. Yeah, Sorry, it's almost yeah. similar to the low total theory where yeah. the points are more valuable when less points are going to be scored. And a team like Washington, they very rarely go off for a ton of points. So even if they do win the game, it's hard to imagine that the back door is not going to be in reach there at the end. So yeah, I, and I guess, I guess a, logic. a lot of it, too, with my handicap, I feel like this is a correlated game. I think it's either Washington under or Atlanta and over. So that's uh, why I feel like it's going to be Atlanta and over, over. But if it's not, I feel like it's going to come in under. So like you said, yeah, the points are going to be pretty valuable then. Um, I think there's a couple I actually like this week. Uh, I like, like I said, I like the Chargers, I like the Rams, both catching a little bit. I like Green Bay, I like Tennessee. But I think I am going to ride that Fitz Magic train and take the Bucks plus six and a half against your Carolina squad. Let's do it. He uh, got the best of me last week betting against him, so now he's gonna help me get back on the. The winning streak here this week, so I'm going to take back. Tampa plus six and a half. All right. That's good. Back. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks there, Murray. Uh, <laughs> You're All right. Well, well, I feel a uh, thoughts here. Yeah, I like those picks. Hopefully we can uh, get back. We need a 2-0 here, and hopefully we can get some release plays, uh, 
get both our records there into shape on the release plays, uh, the release plays on our own sports pages. So, oh, uh, but yeah, nothing else. Uh, ready to get back home. I don't know. It's getting, getting pretty cold there. Or what? I'm not really looking forward to that weather. Yeah, this morning it was, I don't know, 30 or so when I got in the car, so it took a few minutes to warm up there on the way to work. I'm really rich. Guys, that ridiculous. Um, <laughs> boy, yeah, not, uh, it's uh, pretty sunny out here and 70, 75 and sunny and uh, can golf, and yeah, it's uh, not looking forward to coming back home to that weather, that's for sure. I'll stay out there then. I'll, I'll take care of it back in, back in God's country. Hold, hold, hold down the fort. But <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, other than that, nothing. Uh, yeah, get, I'm excited to come back home now and uh, hopefully get something going. It'd be nice to get my all the TVs back for the weekend, be able to watch all the games. I only had uh, four screens going uh, in my office here, so I had to down a little bit of a downgrade, but still got a pretty good. It definitely helps me not have to watch the Vikings on one of the games too. I wanted the TVs too, but um, yeah, it. Uh, I think uh, hopefully it'll be a good week here coming up. But uh, like I said earlier, it should be a lot of fun games to watch in those late games specifically. It'll be really exciting to see all those uh, those games. It'll be pretty good to tee off on those. Yeah, from a viewership standpoint, I think this is probably the best week of the year so far, so hopefully it lives up to the billing. But uh, have a good flight back, Rob. Best of luck to you in week nine, and best of luck to everybody out there. And like I said, hopefully this uh, week is as exciting as it uh, looks like it should be here on paper. So everybody have a good weekend, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Arone Sports Podcast. Check out aronesports.com for all of your sports betting needs, including automatic bet tracking, mobile notifications, free picks, and more.